everybody. We are back with season two, better than ever. But you know one thing that hasn't changed? We're still using Anchor. She is so fun. She's free. She's easy to use. You can record, edit, collaborate, and distribute all of your podcasts through her. So, you know, when you got a good thing going, (laughs) you don't give it up. If you're thinking about making a podcast, I know some of you are. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, I know it's late, but can you talk? Two in the Morning is an original podcast where we unabashedly explore the questions that are keeping all of us up at night. Me, Mia Brabham, and my best friend, Michael Galfetti, are two 20-somethings who've been coming together for eight years with hilarious, sometimes deep, and always honest, infinitely dimensional questions about life. Now, we're doing it with all of you. Each week, we'll both prepare a question, something we've been thinking about all week, all month, maybe even all year, and we'll talk through it. We've learned that it's not always about the answers, but sometimes just about the comfort of conversation. News? Not exactly. Therapy? Maybe. Entertainment? On accident. It's two in the morning, and it's time to talk. Welcome to our very first episode of Two in the Morning. Michael, I cannot believe we're here right now. Time to wake up, everybody. (laughs) The world has been waiting. We know, we know. (laughs) We have been planning this for how long, Michael? Years. I don't even know. Four years? years, Five years? Um, I think we should tell the people the story of our friendship. What do you think? Oh, where to start? Michael and I have been friends since high school. Um, I think we have different definitions or different versions of meeting. I thought we met through mutual friend, but you you said that we met somewhere else. I okay. First of all, Mia was very cool, and I transferred to high school, and I didn't know anyone. And so junior year, I started to like hang out with people and do like student government, and that's when I remember like Mia and I had the same study block, or like we were both in the same classroom doing kind of like extracurricular stuff. Um, But we didn't meet then, so it's like you know, when did you meet? someone you've like known your entire life I don't know but I remember we started hanging out like junior year of high school my junior year your senior year um that's when it was like oh yeah like you know I know who that person is like I would say what's up (laughs) I would hang out (laughs) I remember thinking the same thing I was like he's so cool now look at us no i'm serious because you always had like the cool jeans and like the button-down shirts and i was like nobody in high school dresses like that they were all like virginia beach kids wearing like skater shit and surfing shit billabong i'm like bitch i don't care about billabong and you were out here in button downs like living your best life at 16 okay anyways so we're very excited for this podcast um i think Michael and I, the foundation of our whole friendship has been uh, built on conversation and talking about not even our lives, but life in general and what it means to different people and how we operate and move through this world and how other people operate and move through the world. And I felt like I couldn't have these conversations with a lot of my friends, like, especially from a young age. Now, I feel like as you get older, you find more of those people, but we connected 
so young about such worldly things and that doesn't really happen and so this has always been us like we would get together and we would cut straight through the catching up bullshit and we would just be like okay so like do you think love is enough to save a relationship like and we would just talk for hours and so that's why we're here today and um i wanted to share a quote because you know we're both quote heads we love Um, quotes (laughs) <laughs> I read this book called Reality Hunger by David Shields when I was in grad school for one semester. We'll talk about that later. Um, and it, this quote sums up our podcast. It says, whether we're young or we're all grown up and just starting out or we're getting old or we're getting so old, there's not much time left. We're looking for company. We're looking for understanding. Someone who reminds us that we're not alone and someone who wonders out loud about things that happen in this life the way we do when we're walking or sitting or driving and thinking things over. That is what this podcast is going to be. I love this quote. I'm reading, I'm getting this for the first time live. I'm obsessed. <laughs> Everything's for the first time live here. We don't tell each other shit before we walk in to our. I was thinking about that. It's like when I'm talking to you, it's never like, oh, well, like, what did you eat today? Or like, like, I don't know, like, what's your favorite color? Like, it, like, we just like blow past that and we're like, oh, well, this is really on my heart. And I'm like, oh my gosh, wow, like, let's talk about it. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Our motto. We don't know anything really walking into the show other than the question that's been on our hearts. Um, So I don't know what Michael's going to ask me today. He doesn't know what I'm going to ask him. Um, But the funniest part is, so we submitted to our producers, Bia and Jamila, and I sent them my questions and I was like, shit, is this too deep? Like, is this too much for episode one? And Jamila was like, no michaels were just as they were just as deep like they're good and i was like all right we see eye to eye on every level so sorry or maybe not sorry i don't know this might be a lot for this episode we're gonna find out right now i have no idea i want to know what your question is so bad okay let's let's just get to it sometimes thinking takes time and the answers can be really daunting and you don't want to be alone for that Mm -mm. it's scary out there but it's way less scary together it's 2 a.m. It's 2 in the and morning, it's, and it's time, and it's to, time talk. to talk. <laughs> we'll get the right one time. All right, Michael, who should go first? Do you want to go first? I can go first, yeah. Okay, <clears throat> hit it. This is big. This is, I'm telling you, I know we just went over that, like, it's not too deep, but okay, we just have to go. <laughs> My heart is um, so, so here's my question. Basically, like, do you still have hope? And let me contextualize this because it's we were just talking about like 2016 was an election year, 2020 is an election year. And I think back to like Obama's campaign and how he like ran on hope and optimism. And then mm-hmm. there are some people who like feel like he didn't really deliver um, on that promise. And then I was thinking like, how do you though like how do you deliver on hope because it's always in the future so if like basically are we in a post hope post obama world you blow me away that is a fantastic question i mean where where do you even start i i mean i definitely feel like we're post hope but i don't want to be like i think we can get back to that place it's so funny because when i was younger 
I feel like I, my personality was optimism. Like I was the optimistic person. Everyone looked to me to be positive, um, to be hopeful. And I think I listened. I think it is kind of inherent in me, but also I think I forced it. And I'm at the stage of my life where I'm tired of forcing it. And sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, am I becoming a realist? I don't know what's happening. Um, I think we have to have hope though. Just because you feel hopeless doesn't mean that you should be. Like you, if you're hopeless, are are you alive? Are you breathing? Like everything, it, like what, why, why are you here? What are you doing with your life? Like you have to have hope right. to move forward. And I think it's important to instill in others. And I think that's why we need that. We need to move that. That's what propels us forward. That That's what sends us into the future. That's what aggregates new inventions and a vaccine because if you're just like this is not getting cured like nothing ever happens and I think whether it's science or politics or society or your own personal life your dreams like you have to have hope but we're definitely feel like in a post hope society we it's so hard because yeah hope is essential to life like it literally is just the idea that the future will be better or maybe even the idea Mm. that like you can change or impact it um Mm. it's so important but at the same time i i'm not hopeful like i actually am like i think being a realist in today's day and age is Mm. not a really hopeful optimistic picture like the real picture is ugly and bad and nasty and like I feel you know we kind of rode this wave of hope and now we're living in something different and yet it's still so essential to have and to hold so it's really complicated and that's why I wanted to talk to you about it I I don't know how to explain it because, I mean, if we're being real, like we're right now um, right? as a society. And I mean, I don't know. Like, I feel like you have to still hope. But you have to still hope. I'm like trying not to go too political. I think we feel similarly. Like, I think it's uh, a framework, but it's not like going to fix anything. Yeah. Um, and it can't fix everything. Um, but it's a framework to make us believe that things are being fixed. Mm-hmm. And I think they, they keep things, they're there to keep society running, not to make things better. I okay. think this is why at this day and age, we're investing in mutual aid and community because that's what's going to make yes. our and society so better. Cannot, I agree with you completely. Like, I think in the kind of how I framed the question with it being just like a post Obama post hope world, like for politics. Yes. Like we're post hope there, like the institutions and the people that are maybe responsible for saving us or like doing something just aren't. Um, And like things look bad and they're getting worse. Um, We're like going to be, we are the most like, talented educated generation and we're like poorer than our parents um and climate change is real and it's coming and we're not doing anything about it and just the ability for the typical political institutions to like serve and do what this country needs to do is like not there so i think in that sense we are totally post hope but at the same time i love that you brought in the mutual aid because that is 
people believing that they can make a difference and being hopeful and knowing that like, if mm-hmm. I put $50 in this person's pocket, um, that's going to make a difference. That's going to make a change. Um, so I'm really like, that mm-hmm. is something to be hopeful about, like to put a button on it, like the community and the people and the way that I love our generation of this like millennial set is so mm-hmm. inspiring. And especially Gen Z. Um, I think they are so yeah. cool. Yes, <laughs> yeah. um, Truly the best. <laughs> But you know what's funny too is right before this podcast, I was actually thinking about this question and it kind, of, it kind of ties into yours. And I was thinking, does one singular thing we do, I was thinking in terms of voting, but does one singular thing we do actually matter? Because if you think about it, I mean, of course it matters, but you think about the 2016 election and you think about how people who are politically active or politically inclined somewhat went to vote and people who were like, oh, it doesn't matter, didn't go. But if we think about it, when people are showing up in crowds to vote this year, like so many people who have never voted before coming out and being like, I'm voting. And now it's like, if that was there in 2016, this maybe wouldn't have been a problem. But now that it's here, it's like one voice doesn't matter. But when all these voices come together, they do matter. But it does take like but one vote or one choice or one individual action actually could be the tipping point because like let's say it took 1000 for x person to be elected you could be the 1001 person that you know breaks the tie so it's like this weird thing where it's like does the individual matter or does groups matter or do both work together and what's so hopeful in that like i think it is the crowd and this year has showed that that together maybe we or individually we maybe mean one thing but together we mean so much more and And, that makes me feel hopeful and i think a great way to like understand or think about this is like social media where this is not the first time it will come up but one person has a following like I can post and, you know, not every single one of my followers is going to look at it, but like whatever my posts will like usually average some amount of views. And like mm-hmm. that is that is a concrete example of an individual working within a community to send yeah. a message, to inspire action, to do whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Is it the best? No, it would be way better if I like texted everyone I knew um, as far as like inspiring change or like having real conversations. Can I say one more thing? Yeah, do it. So my favorite professor, Jay Varner from undergrad, um, he wrote, um, Alison Parker was a JMU grad, which is where I went to school. And she passed away. She was shot on camera. Um, she was a journalist. She was shot on, shot on camera. Awful, awful um, thing that happened. And he knew her and he wrote to Obama when Obama was president. And Obama wrote him back. And he has a letter framed in his office. And he says change is slow because he asked him essentially like what is going to happen with gun reform. And um, Obama did, basically wrote this like very short, sweet message. And it was essentially like change is really slow. Like it's slow, but it's happening. Um, patience <sighs> is hard, but change only ever happens on like micro um i guess why did that give me goosebumps i mean it's true my mom says this all the time she's like change is slow because there's been things i feel like i was definitely 
even in a black family, I was the most liberal person and I was persecuted a lot growing up because like I would say things and they'd be like, like that's stupid or like this, you know, and like you're very, I was deemed very like aggressive for my thoughts and radical. Um, and my mom has told me things. She's like, I used to be so lax about that. And it's taken me six years for you to keep saying this to me, but now I understand where you're coming in from. And so I think we just, so much of, you know, what we're talking right now with like the Black Lives Matter movement, it's a movement and not a moment. And you, you're you in this, it's a marathon, it's not a race. Like we have to keep, you have to keep your cool and you have to remain steady and you have to keep talking to people. It's not a one-time shouting into the void because people over time change their minds and they grow. Um, that also gives me hope. So anyways, sorry, that was a lot. Shall we move on to my question, which is equally as disturbing? Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Well, I can't wait to hear what people have to say, what they think about our our ramblings on hope and the post-Obama world. Um, please let us know. And um, we're going to take a little break and then we'll be back with Mia's question. For months, I have been living in sweats, but they've been jankety collared sweatshirts and sweatpants that I've been wearing since high school. I kept seeing those Instagram ads for cute, comfy loungewear sets, and ah ha ha yes, I was tempted, but I did not buy them because $100 for who? What? Turns out my YouTube friend Ray from back in the day had the same thoughts. Good thing she's way more talented and way cooler than me because she took matters into her own hands and started her very own loungewear line called Made by Rihanna. She's graced the world with cute and cozy pastel sets and sweatshirts that are tie-dyed by hand and so vibrant and so beautiful and most of all, soft. I had the dark blue tie-dye short set and I didn't know I could feel sexy and comfy doing absolutely nothing at the same time, but here we are. The two in the morning team is so tired of me showing up to meetings in the same damn sweatsuit every week, but I have absolutely no regrets. We're finding comfort in conversation and she's actually just finding comfort for us. As she says, comfort shouldn't come at a cost. So for the love of sweats, pastels, and all things cozy, get your set too. She even does custom designs, people. Go to etsy.com slash shop slash made by Rihanna. That's R-A-E-H-A-N-A for 10% off anything in the shop with the code two in the morning. Again, that's etsy.com slash shop slash made by Rihanna for 10% off what's going to be your favorite loungewear set ever. Thanks for supporting Black Business. Okay, are you ready? I'm so ready. I don't even know if I'm ready. <laughs> okay, here's my question. I've been stewing on this. Honestly, it's been in my heart for the past month. So I'm really excited to talk about this. Um, if you do something really bad, does that make you a bad person or just someone who's done something bad? And by that, I mean, it all boils down to what is forgivable and what's not. And some context for you. I went to the Monticello, um, which is Thomas Jefferson's home, who was a president, a founding farmer. <laughs> founding farmer, please help me. Founding okay, he father. was a farmer and a founding father. <laughs> he was both. Basically, he was a slave owner. And it was just a very interesting trip. And all I could think the whole time there was... Okay, yeah, this guy helped build an entire country, but he also owned people. He owned people. And that's not forgivable to me. Like, it's it's not, or, or is it? Um, yeah, I feel I, like you're conflicted about it. You don't know if it's forgivable or not. I mean, it's not. I mean, I, I don't think it's forgivable. And people are always like, it was a different time. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it was... 
way back when and <laughs> he built a whole country yeah but it's like but but he owned people and to yeah. me it should be in that order and not reverse it shouldn't be like he owned people but he built a whole country it's like he built a whole country but he owned people and that's all i keep coming back to in my head and so it just made me think like should we should we be celebrating a person who has done something that bad and is he a bad person or someone who did something bad oh this is so good okay um there's like two questions in here and i think there's like a how do we remember people how should we remember people and there's like a present day like i because when you first asked your question i was like "Ooh, there are some people i am working on forgiving and we're not there yet <laughs> um so I, yeah, I think like in the person, the interpersonal, like present day, like, gosh, that is so hard on some people really are capable of hurting others a lot. And I think a lot of the times they don't mean to, but does that excuse what like you've made someone else feel? Or even if you changed like their circumstances, you know, like... Mm -hmm you've you know put them in economic crisis or you've like harmed them physically and what sense of kind of justice and retribution is there like for that and what's appropriate at the time um mm -hmm. is such an interesting question this is so good it touches on so many things um yeah because I'm thinking like basically the way we deal with quote unquote bad people now is to just lock them up and say that like you did something bad, you're a bad person and you need to suffer for the rest of your life for it pretty much. Like even once you get out of prison or serve your time, like the way it follows you throughout your entire life and the way that we as Americans kind of code people as bad is actually just violence like it's not okay um so i don't think i do not think that there are bad people i think people do bad things and it's honestly a really a lot of different circumstances coming together um but do i think that if you are a survivor or a victim that you have to forgive everyone no <laughs> Sometimes you got to cut and run. <laughs> Ooh, and that, that begs another question of if it didn't directly happen to you, are you in a position to forgive because it didn't actually happen to you? So like with Thomas Jefferson, they weren't uh, my brother recently traced our ancestors. They were slaves in South Carolina. Um, my ancestors weren't at Thomas Jefferson's plantation, but this happened to my people. So am mm -hmm. I? It didn't happen directly to me or to anyone I think that's in my family, but is it my position to forgive him or not? And is it any, even people who, of other ethnicities and races and classes, like, do you also have to actively forgive people when it didn't actually happen to you directly? Yeah. Or who is the forgiver? And are we all having to forgive people for things they've done to history? and to society i don't know i'm really thinking about it and i'm just like i want to believe that people are just people they can be bad or good or they can be both but i do think some people are more bad than others and does that make them bad like a, a serial killer is mm -hmm. ted bundy a person who's done bad things or is he a bad fucking person 
Yeah. Here, like, which one is he? What do you think? <laughs> is I'm trying to think of someone else who's done like awful, 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 awful things. I I don't even know. I can't. There's so many bad people. I think about cheating. Like, does that make someone a bad person? You intentionally betrayed someone's trust and you knew what you were doing are you a bad person or did you just do something bad i don't know we don't know how to answer this do we <laughs> we're, just all- we're not supposed to we're just talking yeah i'm gonna be honest my i kind of forgive everyone and it's bad and i'm actually trying to like that's good though i mean it is good but also like someone could cheat on me or like cut off my foot and I would like, I would eventually forgive them. I just need some time. And then, you know, like <laughs> if you Can show up, you? I'm going to be like, Hey, how are you? Hey. Time. time is key. You know, it's really weird. I can't even believe I'm sharing this, but I'm probably going to say it a lot on the show. Um, Dan and I do this every once in a while and he'll, he'll look at me and he'll be like, if I just like bit off your finger right now, what would you do? And I'm like, I think I'd, I think I'd laugh and forgive you because it's so outrageous. Like it's, <laughs> it's so crazy to me. Like some of the most outrageous things you're like, you were wild now. Like I forgive you. Like that's crazy. <laughs> and then other things, it's like oh, I, I don't know. It's just, it's like some things, and maybe some people. If you have a relationship with them, you forgive them more, or like I don't know. But I think that's really admirable that you forgive people. I need to work on that. Um, it's part of my I, like li- lifestyle. I just like don't even remember what happened seven years ago. Like I just don't. I I'm so like not airhead, but like in the moment, like where I'm in this experience that's happening right now, and like I'm very present, and I don't have a lot of like second thought like kind of behind dialogue um so i will just like kind of forget (laughs) you're amazing and i love you i don't forget anything which is perfect for our next episode we're going to talk about this more with my next question Ooh, yay (laughs) here's something you may not know subscribers are super valuable when you subscribe to a podcast that show is more apt to show up on the apple charts and we'd love it if you hit that subscribe button whenever you're listening since we're just starting out Thanks for being here. We love you already. So, um, this has been really fun. I I think we went there this first episode. Would you say so? Um, yeah, I would say we went there. We did it. I, I definitely think we went there. Um, but yeah, thank you everybody for tuning in. Um, and I'm really glad that you're here and that you're sleepyheads with us. Anything else you want to add, Michael? um no welcome to the club everyone make sure that you subscribe and listen every week um i we're so excited to launch the show it's been years in the making um and i really cannot wait to hear what you all say slide in the dms let us know what you're thinking what are your thoughts yes answer the questions tell us Mm -hmm. in the in the comments on social media you know are people bad do they do bad things is there hope are you still hopeful let us know your thoughts you we're gonna read every single one so very excited okay bye everyone Thank you so much for staying up with us. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to join the Two in the Morning gang. Rate it five stars, or if you're feeling really nice, leave us a review and share this episode with just one person you know. We're Tinkerbell, and the podcast needs your approval to live on. And if you have any leftover coffee money this week, consider donating to us on Cash App at Two in the Morning Pod. 
Each month, we donate to a new organization or cause we believe in, and this month, we're donating half of all proceeds to the NDN Collective, an Indigenous-led organization dedicated to building Indigenous power. You can hang out with me on Twitter at Hot Mess Mia and on Instagram at Yours Truly Mia. And you can say hi to me on Twitter and Instagram at Spaghetti Galfetti with one T. And thanks for hanging out with us. Now go get some sleep and see you next Sunday. Two in the Morning is a podcast produced by Jamila White and Bia Kasanga. Music by Brian Kim. Cover art by Madeline Younger. Subscribe for new episodes every Sunday. Sweet dreams.